We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai studio, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. This is Chicago's number one and most listened to sports station. 670 The Score is Chicago Sports. Chicago Sports is The Score. WSCR and HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. Odyssey Station. The score. I hear it with one ear and I see with one eye. You know, so I just know I appreciate that they want us to win, and when we don't win, they're unhappy. And I'm, I'm pleased that they are. You know, we have the team with what we have to win, and we're losing games. There's no man at clubhouse, including manager and coaches, are happy. So I like it when they care enough to be upset in his defense what else is he gonna say to that that's about as good of an answer he can give to a crowd chanting fire tony over and over again oh and by the way that's the end of my defense of tony Larusa. he should absolutely be fired it's not gonna happen but it I, I it should happen but here's actually the thing and here sean i'd like to bring you in on this real quick because I know we just talked about the idea of firing Tony LaRusso. Here's the question I got for you. What's the right answer? Because here's the reason I asked this. Who do you bring in? Do you bring in an outside voice? Do you only promote from within? Because here's the thing. Normally, when you bring in, when you fire a manager midseason, you promote from within. Now, the White Sox have, like, three legitimate guys on their staff who can manage this team. Jerry sure. Naren, right out the right out the gate, comes to mind. Uh, as does, uh, why am I forgetting his name? Why am I forgetting? Shelly Duncan. Shelly Duncan, um, in case you guys don't know this, I think in personally, I think there's a reason Shelly Duncan is on this staff. I truly, truly think Shelly Duncan may be having a legitimate shot to be the manager of this team in the future. Uh, I don't think Ethan Katz would be a fit to be a manager just because, and it's not because he couldn't do it. I want to make that abundantly clear. He could absolutely do it. Sure. I just don't, and it's not necessarily even experience. It's just... I do think having some managerial experience would be beneficial. I think you know, going so. Going from a full, yeah, full-time pitching coach, mm-hmm. you know, he was a minor league pitching coach and became a big league assistant pitching coach. Then you would, you know, now a major league pitching coach. Just, it's not a natural progression, in my opinion. Now, that doesn't mean it, he couldn't do it and be successful. But I think Shelly Duncan would be one of the voices that I think would be really good. Like, uh, if they were to get rid of him. Right. Shelly Duncan and have, like, Jerry Naren kind of working with Shelly Duncan. I, I, I played... For Shelly Duncan. Oh, no way. For one day. Oh, wow. Got to tell us that story. Yeah, one day. I, uh, in 2018, I signed with the Diamondbacks. And, uh, you know, I'm getting ready to go to start the year in AAA. And they call me in the office. And, you know, when you get the last day of spring training, they call in the office. That is normally not a good thing. But I always, I knew I was safe. I'm like, I know they're not firing me. Not not after this spring I just had. I think I got out twice. I like I was just like on fire. I'm like, if these guys get rid of me, like, I, I don't, I mean, come on, right, no way. Right. And, I, and I'm like, I got a front office guy kind of protecting me too. Like, there's no way I'm getting fired. And if I do get fired, I'm going to make a scene. I didn't have to make a scene. Um, I wanted to though. Uh, they did call me in and give me bad news though. They called me in and they're like, Hey, uh, deck, um, would you be willing? And I went like, Oh no, 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 no. What, what are you doing? He's like, 
we, we have to start this guy at AAA. We're, he, we just cut. He, we didn't expect him to clear waivers. We're keeping him. He's going to AAA. I said, great. And would you be willing? Um, I said, no. Cody, it's either that or we keep you here in, in Phoenix for extended spring. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. He's like, double A? He's like, we promise it'll only be for a day. I said, I don't believe you. Why would I ever believe that phrase? I'm not going to be here for one day. Yeah, right. I'll be here for three months. And by the way, double A at the time for the Diamondbacks was Jackson, Tennessee. Have you ever heard of Jackson, Tennessee? No. Okay, let me describe Jackson, Tennessee. You land into Memphis, and then you rent a car, and then you drive three hours to Nashville Somewhere in the middle is a truck stop, and it's called Jackson, Tennessee. And there's, for some reason, a baseball field there that no one goes to because it's literally located at a truck stop in between Nashville and Memphis. Both cities have a triple-A team, and both are driving distance to to Jackson, but there's a double-A stadium just there, just in the middle, for some reason. That's so baseball. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's so baseball. Nothing about this made sense. I, I was there for three days, play only for one game. There for three days, I drank a at least a bottle of Angel's Envy a night to go to sleep. <laughs> you got it. What else are you going to do, like, right? I'm like, I am in hell. Like, this is the worst. It wasn't that it was the worst city that I ever played in. It was, but that's not the point. It, it, it's just, it wasn't a city. It wasn't anything. It, it was just, there was nothing. I, I, I got I, I called an air there was an Airbnb that was actually available. I know. I can't believe it either. But I called them and they said, You seriously want to stay here? I said, actually, I'd like to rent the room. They're like, oh my God, yes. I said, Really? Don't you need it for Airbnb? He's like, no one's ever rented here. <laughs> ever. <laughs> Why would they? We've never used it as an Airbnb, but it yeah. is one. We put it on Airbnb as a joke. Anyway, Shelly Duncan was managing that team. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Shelly Duncan. Anyway, Shelly Duncan was managing that team. And I go, I remember uh, after I had that meeting in spring training, I leave the club. I leave the, I leave that office just fuming, but like right. understanding. And I'm like, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'm like, listen, I even told them this phrase because I use this phrase a lot. I'm like, listen, dude, I can't get back to the big leagues from my couch. So I'll go to Jackson. Let's do it. And then I, I, I opened the door and just waiting there with a huge smile on his face. Just a- after the horrible news I just got that I have to go to Jackson, Tennessee, there's just Shelly Duncan standing in the full door frame of the door with his arms to his side, just staring with a huge smile on his face. It's like, you and me, buddy. I'm like, oh, God, this is going to be a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, then Shelly and I went to lunch. We had a great time. And then he and I had a blast for that one game. They called me in after the game. And actually, you know what's funny? Sean, fun, fun fact. After that game. I went one for three, I think, with a double. He called me in the office to scream at me. Made a huge what? scene. I was like, what are you doing? I'm like staring at him like, what are you doing? He's like, okay, none of this is real. You're going to AAA. I just wanted to, I just wanted to <laughs> yell at you once. I said, okay, thank you. Thank you. Shelly Duncan, absolutely love it. We got some callers talking about some White Sox callers, in fact. Let's go ahead and uh, let's take a look at Mike from Northbrook. What do you got for me, Mike? Yeah. Very, very frustrated, longtime Sox fan. I've been following the team since 59 when I went to the second game of the Sox-Dodgers series, and I've been a diehard. And in those days, they had a manager by the name of Al Lopez who was probably one of the greatest managers I ever saw. But anyhow, what I saw yesterday, it keeps happening. And let me just throw this scenario past you, and I haven't heard enough about this. Sox are up 5 to nothing, then it's 5-4, then they're up 7-5. 
for whatever reason in the world, which I can't figure out and drives me out of my mind, he has to bring in Bennett Sousa, the worst pitcher on the team, in a game that you really want to win. And right then, there was no question in my mind that Sousa was going to if not give up the tying run, put, put him behind. Then he brings in Jimmy Lambert, who does a nice job. Why not bring in Lambert earlier instead of bringing in the absolute worst pitcher on the team who screwed the game up the other day? And he's done this kind of thing countless times this year, not just yesterday. I'm saying to myself, what is he doing? So I, I'm interested in your comments about that. Why in any way, shape, or form would you bring in Bennett Sousa in that game when they're up 7-5 to five and they really needed to get a win? I'll, I'll leave it to Mike. you guys now. Absolutely. Mike, appreciate the call. And, hey, man, fair criticism and fair point. Um, why do you go to him? The truth is, to answer your question because you asked me right out the gate, the truth is I can't say that I know 100%. But most likely, most likely, it was early enough of the game that they did need to eat some innings, need to eat some pitches before they can get to their next guy. Uh, that's most likely the reason. Most likely had nothing to do with matchups. It was simply inning-eating type of uh, arm, thinking they can maybe swipe away a couple of outs before they started getting deeper into their bullpen. Also, you got to keep in mind, this bullpen is currently taxed and injured, which is not good news. We haven't seen Graveman out there for the last couple of days. Uh, Kelly is hurt. Uh, Liam Hendricks was hurt earlier in the year, but obviously he's used in a closer role. And we've also seen Kelly, not Kelly, uh, Hendricks, get kind of overextended as well, being brought in in eighth inning. So we have no crochet. Bummer's been beat up. Like, it, it, it's It's problematic. It's almost like, honestly, I don't want to sit here and be, listen. I think Tony Larusa honestly should probably be moved out of his position. But in that particular scenario, and I get your frustration, where else was he going to go to? He could have gone to him a little bit earlier, but that's one of those damned if you do, damned if you don't type situations. But trust me, I get the frustration. This is a bullpen that shouldn't be giving up runs, period. Let alone, you know, we just had Lucas Giolito on. He just had, you know, a grinding start where he, you know, mowed through the first four and then had a tough fifth inning, giving up four runs, and he leaves with the lead. Hey, your starter gave you a chance to win. When the bullpen lets you down, especially a bullpen that we expected to be as dominant as this bullpen should be, I get the frustration. But in that particular situation, I don't think it was anything to do with Tony La Russa, uh, more to do with what he had available to him at that exact moment. And you got to keep in mind, you got to monitor everybody's pitches. What was that, Sean? Oh, let's go to Scott in Highland Park. Scott, what do you got for me, brother? Guys, love this show. So listen, we, we know how bad Tony La Russa has been doing, but here's something that I think a lot of people haven't talked about. And this is no disrespect to Ethan Katz. But Tony La Russa managed for many years under the guidance of a great pitching coach, Dave Duncan. Just like Ozzie Guillen had a great pitching coach with a lot of experience in Don Cooper. My point is that Tony, Tony has absolutely mismanaged our bullpen. And I'm sure that Ethan Katz has given him plenty of direction and that Tony's not listening. And, and if you look at our starters, we are, we are rock solid with our starters. I know Cease hasn't been pitching great, but I'm, I'm confident in him. And, I, and we got Lance Lynn coming back. We don't play defense. But my point is that if you're not going to do anything with Tony La Russa because Jerry's completely toned up, then you're going to have to find a way to get someone in that coaching staff that Tony will listen to. I'll hang up and listen to what you have to say. Yeah, hey, all, all, all again, more good points, man. Um, Ethan Katz. So here's the question. Is Lurus listening to Ethan Katz? I'm assuming he is, but you got to keep in mind, it's not just Ethan Katz. I know we all look, I know we look at the coaching staff 
and immediately think, oh, the coaching staff doing this, coaching staff doing that. The coaching staff are only the guys you see. Now, uh, and this is where it gets really interesting. Now, we had Lucas Giolito on earlier on the show, which I'm, I'm sure Scott heard. Um, Lucas talked, we talked about, about pitching mechanics and how he's going to get with uh, him, possibly talk about maybe some hip rotational movements, maybe this, maybe that, maybe some scat movement. The things that he's going to work on with his hitting pitching coach is not just his pitching coach. you got to keep in mind, it's a pitching R&D department. Uh, Lucas talked about, yeah, velocity, spin rate, talked about all these things that they're going to work on. That's going to be through a committee of people. Um, and when I say a manager is inundated with an outrageous amount of information, I'm talking numbers. I'm talking matchups. I mean, look in the look in the dugouts if you ever get a shot. If they really do a good zooming of the dugouts, there are folders and pamphlets and everything you could possibly want, uh, color-coded charts when it comes to uh, pitch sequencing, uh, scouting reports. They know everything about you, the player you're facing, and the bullpen and everything. It's It's almost, quite frankly, it's too much information. Now, is Tony La Russa listening to everybody? I sure hope so. But you got to also understand, a manager's job also is to filter all that information. You need to be able to take all the information that you're getting these days. And keep in mind, the information that Tony La Russa is getting is probably a hundred times more than he used to get back when he was managing as recently as 12 years ago in St. Louis. Like, it's so much information. But a manager nowadays needs to be able to filter that information and make it digestible, not only to his coaching staff, but his players, and hopefully to the fans as well. But that last part is really hard because, one, they're not going to give you all the numbers that they have. Hell, they don't even share the numbers with the players. Full, fun fact, I asked for advanced metrics when I was with the Diamondbacks. I asked the, the team, can I get my advanced metrics? Because I wanted to get something done for myself. The team wouldn't allow me to have it. And it wasn't just the Diamondbacks. Every team has that problem. Every team does not allow their players to see their advanced metrics. Why do they not want them to see their advanced metrics? Has nothing to do with on-field play. Has entirely everything to do with arbitration figures. They don't want players to know their advanced numbers because those advanced numbers are going to be used against the players in arbitration eventually. That's why they don't have it. But the manager has it. The coaching staff has it. Now it's up to them to be able to make it digestible. And that's where it gets really, really hard. We also got Tony from Milwaukee talking Cubs-Yankees. What do you got for me, Tony? Hey, uh, just a quick comment. Thanks for taking the call. Uh, with this series, I don't think enough Cubs fans have realized, uh, you know, to the naked eye, just how much skinnier Rizzo is. <laughs> and I know that's a very random comment that will make you say, like, oh, wow, okay. but. Uh, the point I'm making is my family has had season tickets about 16 rows up from Rezzo for a long time, and he never had the desire to get in this good of shape. Uh, it's quite obviously because we know he got less money, but uh, the point I'm making to you uh, as I ramble a little bit is that I think we made the right move to get rid of him. Uh, the numbers show that, and uh, Hoyer's done some other good stuff, so as painful as it is for Cubs fans, uh, that's the kind of stuff that, you know, I think we need for the rebuild. Love to hear your thoughts hanging up on it. I agree with you. I agree with you. Here, let's start. Let's start with the shape that Rizzo's in right now. Yeah, man. Let's not sugarcoat it. It's like that ex-girlfriend weight, you know, like it's like you, you just got out of a long relationship and you're getting that revenge body and he's got his revenge body and he's got his revenge body because he got paid a little bit less this year. Um, yeah, I think the Cubs made the right decision. They They did. I know it hurts. 
It hurts me. It hurts me. It legitimately does. But uh, it's they so did weird need to, to see move him on. in a Yankee uniform, man. Oh God, isn't it? Isn't it so weird to see him? Hell, it's not even that. It's it's also weird in a fact that it's in a way, it's also not weird because it somehow looks okay to me. It like, makes sense, should... but it sucks. <laughs> yeah, like I, that's what it is. That's what it is. It's not that it's weird. It's that I don't like it. That's right. what it is. I, thank you. I haven't been able to put it in words because he almost looks like a really good fit, like he's been there all along, but I really don't like it. <laughs> yeah, no, I know he's got family in the area, so I'm sure it makes sense for him. He's doing great. The short porch is nice for him. I just like Ian Happ went to first base on Friday and Anthony Rizzo was there and it was just like, man, like I am in bizarro world. This is super weird. I just don't yeah. like it. Yeah, but here, again, to to actually answer his question, yeah, I think they made the right decision. I think Hoyer made the right choice. You know, he was going to command a lot of money and understand. Take this team right now. Take the Cubs at this exact moment, Sean. You put an Anthony Rizzo on this team right now and say you eat $20 million this year to pay Anthony Rizzo right now. Is this team any better? No, no. It's it's just a resounding no. Uh, That's... This is where I'm going to defend the Cubs in their payroll spending a little bit. Allocating the money to a first baseman that's not going to hit for a lot of power in Chicago. He never has. A good first baseman, obviously, but a team that you know is not competing this year. Likely, unless something changes, not competing next year. I hope they compete next year. They should compete next year. The Cubs should never not be competing. That's my problem. The fact that I'm even talking about the Cubs, that they're in a rebuild. The Cubs should never be in a rebuild. There's only like six teams that should not be allowed to have rebuilds. Yankees, Red Sox, Cubs, Dodgers. Who else? I'll throw the Mets on there. Now that Steve Cohen's their manager, their, their, their owner, the Mets are never allowed to have a low payroll again. Let's do that. Let's take one more caller. Who we got, Sean? All right, Jordan, what do you got for me, brother? Hey, uh, first, I was going to talk about the game, the Dodger game. Um, first off, I, I bet on the Dodgers and the, about the 83 pitch mark, I see Dylan C struggling. So I'm thinking Tony's going to take him out of the game. Like this, this is the point. You got to take him out of the game. And he lets him throw 107 pitches. Yeah. It's 107 pitches he gets up to. So, you know, I was happy, you know, honestly betting against, I'm a cynical White Sox fan. I bet against them. And then the next (laughs) inning he goes, he, he goes ahead and then, you know, intentionally walks Trey Turner with two strikes. So I think that made everybody, I think the fans were already frustrated with the fifth inning and then the sixth inning. But on top of it, I, I feel like he wasn't liked from the beginning. He wasn't the people's choice from the beginning. So anything he does is just going to get exacerbated and people are going to get upset. Like they're looking for things and he's giving them stuff. Yeah, I, you know, I, that's actually a phenomenal point. I'm going to go ahead and actually focus, hyper focus on that point you just made. No one wanted him. Uh, in Chicago, like no one, the only person that wanted him as the manager of this team is the owner of the White Sox. And listen, that that's his right. It's his, he owns the team. He can hire whoever he wants, but it was a very loud outcry. Hell, everybody here was talking about AJ Hinch going to Detroit. Now, is it going well in Detroit for AJ Hinch? No, but I mean, he's not the one on the field. Again, managers do have an impact, but how much impact can the guy actually have really? The only thing a manager can do usually is have a negative impact. A manager should have like a net zero impact. <laughs> games, 
the games manage themselves, okay? The, 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 the actual running of a baseball game, the game tells you everything you need to know. And like you said, he just said out loud and uh, very truly everything before intentionally walking because he's right. My bigger problem wasn't the intentional walk. My bigger problem about the intentional walk was the lack of accountability on calling the intentional walk. I hated that more than I hated the actual intentional walk. I hated the intentional walk, make no mistake, but I hated the lack of accountability. But before that, even Eric Karros, the announcer for the Dodgers, was saying, why are you leaving Dylan Cease in here like this? It wasn't like he mentioned it. He was talking about it for a total of a full at bat. He actually said, why are you leaving this kid out here? No one's warming up. He's been throwing over 100 pitches for the last three games. By the way, he's facing the Dodgers. I don't know if you know this, but they're good at baseball. They might be the greatest offense I've ever seen in my life. And this team's actually lost a couple of games this week. I don't care. They're the greatest team ever. They are. I mean, they just are. But yeah, I agree with you, man. It was everything leading up to it. I get it. I get it. I get it. Guys, we're going to talk about so much more. We got John Heyman from MLB Network and my co-host on Odyssey Sports Big Time Baseball joining me up next. Not to mention, we later on the show, we got Russell Dorsey. So much to talk about here. We're only halfway through the show here on Hit and Run here on 670 The Score. Hit and Run, Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. to noon on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago's sports station. Jazz gets into one out towards center. Way back there, way back, and it's gone! A grand slam for Jazz! Just over the top of the wall in center field, and the Marlins break it open in the second. Six seventy, the score. Cody Decker, former professional baseball player, turned professional smartass on the radio. I am here live, guest hosting for the day this Sunday morning on Hit and Run, one of Chicago's longest-running baseball shows. That's right, I'm going to say it every time. Why? Because I got an email about it, so I'm going to say it as much as I can. Oh man. Also. Guys, just filling in this week for Matt Spiegel. He's taking the week off. So they get they get, they bring me in. Why not? You get me for three hours of baseball talk, which I can do anytime, any day. And you just heard that clip about Jazz Chisel. I want to talk about Jazz. You know why I want to talk about Jazz? I love Jazz. Do you know why I love Jazz? I'm gonna I'm gonna let you all in a little secret. I'm the only one that loves Jazz. Um I know he's so fun to watch because he is. God, I can't get enough of Jazz. Jazz Chisholm I played with in the Dimebacks organization. Jazz Chisholm is so ungodly talented, it's ridiculous. Just ask him. He's going to tell you all about it. But here's the thing. I'm not revealing anything he wouldn't tell you. Jazz loves him some Jazz. I've jazz got, uh, loves talk, talking about jazz. Do we have a clip of jazz talking I, about jazz? I was going to say, I've got a clip of jazz talking about jazz. Let's get a little clip of jazz on jazz. I mean, I think I have that. Don't I have that a tool that's called I don't care. <laughs> and <laughs> we have a little thing going on. I mean, everybody knows I love basketball. So I put a little basketball into all my <laughs> antics, you know, like a little shot around first base. The Euro step at home play, but then we brought in the Dolphins helmet. 
the Marlins official football helmet. You know, I felt like Ricky Williams back in the day when he was running for the Dolphins, you know. But, you know. <laughs> you Tell something. me that don't look like Ricky Williams. <laughs> So for just some context for people listening on the radio, obviously, uh, they showed a clip on that clip of a picture of uh, Jazz in a Miami Marlins helmet or a Miami mm -hmm. Dolphins helmet. And he just looks ridiculous because it's just like massively too large. But he's rocking it. I I don't know what else to tell. I, I, full, full disclosure. Here you go. Jazz was traded from the Diamondbacks. He was traded from the Diamondbacks because the Diamondbacks, honest to God, couldn't put up with them anyway they couldn't take it anymore <laughs> that's insane it's just the truth okay it's the truth that's why he got traded no one could stand him <laughs> anywhere i love him i truly love this kid i think he is awesome both on and off the field because here's the thing i couldn't stop loving him because i couldn't believe he was real i have never in my life met a person like this you know everything you ever heard about uh uh ricky henderson Ricky being Ricky, all the Ricky Henderson stories that are all apparently true. Uh, th there is there is question on whether or not the great John Olerud story is true. Sean, you know the John Olerud story, right? I do, yes. <laughs> bo bo both of them have denied and confirmed the story. So it's, it's just like one of those things that's going to live in baseball infamy forever. But here's the thing. Even if it didn't happen, it did. It did happen just because it's Ricky being Ricky jazz being jazz is good. If, if jazz chisel really becomes the superstar that he's capable of being Ricky being Ricky is going to be child's play compared to jazz being jazz. I wrote a tweet last year about jazz and how much I love jazz off the field. I got three text messages from Miami Marlins players saying, what are you talking about? How can you love jazz? And I said, this text message you just sent me is why I love Jazz. He has, no matter what you do, he elicits an emotional response from everyone who plays with him. It's usually like, oh, God, again. They had a team meeting last week. Then Don Mattingly came out to the press saying we had a team meeting. We had to get some stuff squared away. And I think the guys are going to come out pretty flat tonight. I've never heard a manager say that in my life. What was amazing is they didn't come out flat. They scored 10 runs in the first four innings. By the way, the Marlins are actually kind of good. Um, are they a playoff team? No, but they're actually good. Uh, I'm, I, I hope they add on next year because their pitching staff is really good. Jazz Chisholm. I can't get enough of this guy because Jazz truly, truly talks about himself nonstop. He does not talk about anything else. And I love that about him because I talked about the Yankee fan delusion. Jazz is not only delusional, he can back up some of his delusions. Do you have any idea how dangerous that is? <laughs> can show receipts on said delusion. You have no idea how dangerous that is in a clubhouse. You bumped tw 26 type A dudes. Type A dudes. And by the way, I can't stress this enough. I'm going to also let you in on a little, uh, little known secret about every pro athlete you know. They're all self-conscious as well. It's not because there's weakness to them. It's because they know what they're doing is so high pressure that there are times where a pro baseball player will sit there and be like, I, I can't possibly be this good. It's a real thing that comes through their heads that they're like, oh man, faking it. I, I know I'm a fraud out here. Imposter syndrome is rampant throughout baseball. Every single player has imposter syndrome, except Jazz Chisholm. 
Jazz Chisholm believes he's the greatest thing that has woken up today. He's going to be the greatest thing that goes to sleep. And while he's asleep, he's the greatest thing sleeping. And I love it. Why else do I love Jazz? I've known Jazz for, what, seven years now? Jazz, I texted him a week ago. I haven't heard back from a text back from from the text I sent him. He retweeted me after I said a good thing about him on Twitter. I didn't tag him. He doesn't follow me on Twitter. And he knows me. Like, we played together. He he knows me well enough to know that I'm like the one guy who loves him. <laughs> and he's just Googling himself on Twitter. He's just tight. He's glory searching. He saw my tweet, retweeted it. I love jazz. I can't get enough of this guy. Why? Because I can't believe he's real. Well, you know what's even funnier is apparently he's Charlie Sheen's favorite player too. <laughs> the wild thing. All right. All right. You ready for another, uh, another uh, confession? Yeah. Let's go down the rabbit hole, man. All right, I may have, I may know Charlie Sheen somewhat well. Oh yeah, uh, I've never been up partying with Charlie Sheen. I have, however, hit with Charlie Sheen many times. Charlie Sheen could swing the bat. Oh. I'm not kidding. He, I've, I've hit with Charlie Sheen as recently as four years ago at UCLA. All right, you, all right, you ready for the greatest hit batting practice group of all time? Here it is, one week before spring training. Cody Decker, at the time, I was like, you know, real-life Crash Davis. I was well-known as being, like, the guy who was too good for the minor leagues, but no one would ever let in the big leagues at this point. At this point, it was an ongoing joke that I'm like, hey, Deck, how you doing? Still poor? Yes. Thank you, Giancarlo Stanton. You want to loan me a 20? This was the BP group. Me, real-life Crash Davis, Giancarlo Stanton, superhero currently living in real life. Chase Utley, uh, you know, obviously legend. And Charlie Sheen. What? And Swisher was there too. And Swisher. And Swisher. Swisher. So I just want to point out, there was about $1 billion of net worth hitting in this batting practice group and me. And you. And me. I'm like, oh, great. This This guy's got... This guy's got his his uh, his two and a half men money. This guy's got his Yankees money. Swisher will freely admit he stole $120 million in his career. Did and I, I'm sitting here making a buck fifty. And I had like more homers than all of them combined. <laughs> <laughs> did uh, did Charlie Sheen show up in a bowling shirt? No, no. He 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 showed up wearing sweats, but this was right before the full meltdown like right before the uh, complete and utter meltdown no i'm talking i'm not saying when i say right before i'm talking days oh wow okay so this guess is who like charlie sheen had guess who charlie sheen had with him the quote-unquote goddesses were behind the batting cage with us oh, while we were hitting my god so i okay let's give the full context here me real life crash davis uh nick swisher Again, freely admitting that he stole he stole 120 million dollars, uh, and then Giancarlo Stanton making half a billion dollars, and then Charlie Sheen also probably a half billion dollars, and the two goddesses that he had with him. Uh, I'm using goddesses because that's the term he used. I, I I please leave me out of that. That is that is ridiculous. And you were just hitting BP with these guys. 
Oh, yeah, I was dropping bombs. There you go. Yeah, you got to show no out big in those deal. moments. No big deal. I mean, you got to show you got to show out when you're when you're there. In fact, fun fact, I'm actually going to be uh, I, I posted last uh, month. I was hitting a Dodger Stadium because I was testing out the radar system for the home run derby. They basically needed someone to hit homers. So I went over there. And did, I'm doing it again in a couple of weeks. I got to I got to do that live. I got to go ahead and put that on Instagram live and watch you guys may, force you guys to watch me hit bombs at Dodger Stadium. That would be sweet. I, by the way, as you, Sean, as you as a fan, how much, how do you just love jazz? Cause I, I can't stress enough. I know jazz and love him and watch jazz and love him. Yeah. I can't stand anyone that doesn't love watching this guy. I love, I, he's one of my favorite players to watch. Like I am so I, like routinely watching Marlins games on MLB.tv just cause I want to see jazz hits or jazz hits and bombs. And they've got yeah. some fun to, Like he said, uh, Alcantara has been really good. Sanchez is a really fun player. Pa- yeah. Pablo uh, Lopez. Another great got a starter. One ERA right now. Mm-hmm. Like unreal this year. I feel like every time I, I check in on those guys, that go to their like Bally sports has like their Marlins Twitter account or whatever. I'll pop in and it's like, those guys are up to eight or nine K's again. And it's like the fifth inning. It's like, these yeah, guys and you are guys know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do, be doing a down the line segment later on in the show. And we'll probably bring up the Marlins. I, I got to tell you, the Marlins are a hard team to gamble on. And, yeah. and when I say and hear what I say on this, it's because they are they're a 500 team, but they have so many bright spots that they're just hard to bet against. They play spoiler nonstop. So you think you got something good against the Marlins? You, you don't. You just don't because they might win by 10 or lose by 10. It's fascinating, this team. Guys, we're going to take a quick little break. When we come back, MLB Network's own, Odyssey Sports' own, the one and only legendary John Heyman, my co-host on Big Time Baseball, will be joining me right here on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. Hit and Run, Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. to noon on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago's sports station. Warmer kicks and fires. The 1-0 judge swings, drills one deep left. Hap looks up. This one is long gone. Aaron Judge hits his second home run of the night. Yankees now up 5-0 over the Cubs in the fifth inning. Certainly not the words you wanted to hear if you're on the north side watching that ball game last night. But, of course, the game went, uh, I don't know. Sean, how'd the game go for you? was poor very poor <laughs> yeah dude I, i'm not what can we say man the yankees are just a juggernaut i don't know if it's necessarily a cubs performance rather than just this yankee team is just a grouping of superhumans at this point and here to talk about it my odyssey sports co-host on big time baseball like share and subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcast but more importantly also on top of that mlb network's own odyssey baseball insider ladies and gentlemen the legendary john Heyman. john how you doing man i'm good thank you for that introduction cody how are you Oh, you know, I'm feeling good. Sunday morning, full day of baseball. You're over there in New York right now, so you got a good chance to see the Cubs firsthand. How how are things looking over there for the Northsiders over there? And also, on top of that, how is it uh, seeing them play against Anthony Rizzo for the first time over there? <laughs> well, I'll say this for the Cubs. Uh, they're like a lot of other teams. They're just getting pounded by the Yankees lately. They're on pace for 118 wins, so... I mean, that's a record. So, I mean, this team is just off to a start like I don't know if I've ever seen. I did cover the 98 Yankees. Just a fantastic team. I mean, when you've got Garrett Cole as your worst starting pitcher, uh, you're in pretty you're a pretty good team. And so, you know, I I can't blame the Cubs. The Yankees have been pounding everybody lately. 
Yeah, well, but it seems as though the Cubs have other issues as well. I mean, they you and do. I have actually talked. You and I have talked on Big Time Baseball, John, many times about the Cubs, about how both of us really think this team should be competing. It's almost like this team should never not be competing. What is it going to take for this team to compete as quickly as, say, next season? Well, they're going to have to spend. You know, I and obviously they they spent on Suzuki last year, but. I mean, you had four great shortstops, not all of them doing great at the moment, but four great shortstops on the market. They passed. They signed Edelton Simmons, who used to be a, a great shortstop. Um, they're not spending. You know, I mean, this is one of the highest revenue teams in the game. And, uh, you know, they took a pass on this season. And uh, that's not really good for Chicago. It's not good for baseball. They're in a very weak division. I mean, the the leader of that division has lost – what are they lost eight in a row at this point? If Milwaukee was, has been the leader, maybe St. Louis is right there with them at this point. But uh, it's a very weak division, um, even a winnable this division. And uh, they took a pass on 2022. Yeah, it's frustrating. We we talked about how frustrating it was, but. Coming up to looking at this trade market, you know, the Cubs do have some pieces. I think, you know, Contreras is somebody that uh, a lot of teams are going to be targeting. Um, do you think he's going to command the price that you think the Cubs are going to want to get back for him? Uh, because obviously they're going to want a full list of prospects. Is he worth that list of prospects? And the reason I say that, he is a catcher at the age of 30. It, I don't know. Is, is he going to command such a, a, a return? Well, he is a rental, so that's really the one thing that inhibits the price to some degree. Obviously, having a great year with an OPS over 900, I've been one of the top catchers in the game. I know when he's a free agent, he's going to be shooting for over $100 million, but at this point, he's just a rental. I do think he will get quite a bit, uh, but, you know, it's a it's a rental. We saw when they traded Rizzo, and we saw when they traded um, Bryant, you know, you get a good prospect back, but you're not going to get a haul of prospects for a half a year of anybody. So, um, you know, I'm sure they'll do well. They'll be one of the better sellers. They've also got uh, Hap potentially as a as a guy they could look to trade, maybe. Uh, certainly Robertson, who's been really good out of the pen. So they have a few pieces. Not as last year, the Cubs and the Nats, and I thank them for it. Made a great. They may not be a great team, but they they were great for the trade deadline. Uh, this year they'll be they'll be good for the trade deadline. <laughs> they won't be great. Yeah, they were really good for the trade deadline, man. The Cubs gave us so much last year to talk about, especially on big time baseball. Hey, switching over to the South Side, John. Um, Listen, we can't sit here and pretend the White Sox haven't been the big, arguably the biggest disappointment in Major League Baseball this season so far. I still think there's plenty of time to turn this around, but they are running out of that time. And it's very clear that this team's chance to win, this window, is right now. What do they need to do at the trade deadline? Is it bullpen? Is it third base? Is it second base? Because Makata's not been doing well. Second base has been a bit of a chore lately. And this team's been hurt. What, what do you think this team can do to turn it around? Well, they need to play better. That's the, the first thing. I mean, uh, you and I were on the show, and I think we agreed that they, if not the most prohibitive division favorite, one of them to going into the season, they have not played well at all. I know a lot of people are pointing at the manager, and he's not done a good job. That's fair to say. But, I mean, they're in the bottom few in offense. They're, they're going to need to get offense somewhere. Obviously, Aloy coming back, when he comes back, that will help. 
But these guys need to hit better. Uh, that's number one. Grundahl needs to hit better. Abreu needs to hit better. Um, you know, they're, they're not they, they're not having good years by and large. I mean, I base, obviously Anderson uh, has been good overall. Uh, you know, Vaughn's been okay. Uh, I, me, I thought Robert and Moncada will, would be even better than this. So uh, they're a major disappointment. I'm with you. They may be the most disappointing team, and uh, they got a lot of things to solve. And particularly, it's the for me, it's the offense. I think the pitching is. Should be should be good, but uh, obviously uh, you've got Kopech doing well. You've got Cease doing well. I, I think Lynn's a good pitcher. I think Giolito's a good pitcher. Uh, they're one of the teams I think that needs to focus on the offense. Yeah, I agree with you on that. And there are some spots to fill. I mean, the, you know, there's been a lot of talk about right field in this team, second base on this team, and lately third base because, you know, again, Mankata since coming back has just not been putting it together. I hope he turns it around because – Again, I used to play with Mankata with the Red Sox organization, and to say that he was a coveted piece to get traded over there to the White Sox would be an understatement. I used to get phone calls daily about Mankata when I was playing with him, saying, hey, has anyone talked about trading? Uh, anything going on? Like, that's how much of the focus was on this player coming up. So I'm really, really happy he's up, but not making the impact that he should. It, it hurts a little bit. What about on the bullpen side? Because this team's been a little bit injured as well, and the bullpen has been having trouble. Like, for instance, yesterday, Lucas Giolito didn't have his best outing, but he only gave up four runs in five innings, and then the bullpen just gave it up. I mean, Joe Kelly's been hurt. Uh, Liam Hendricks has been on the IL once, uh, and you know, we Graveman doesn't seem to be anywhere to be found at the moment, not to mention Crochet and Bummer. Does this team desperately need bullpen help as well? Yeah, they probably do. I, going into the year, I think I named them as the best bullpen in the game, and they have as not I. been that, obviously. Crochet, obviously the loss of him for the year, that, that hurt them right off the bat. And, um, you know, obviously they traded Kimbrell. Uh, they've had other uh, issues. Kelly uh, injured. Um, you know, at this point, they probably need, you certainly need bullpen. Fortunately for them, there's a lot of bullpen pieces out there to be had all over the game, not just Robertson with the Cubs, but uh, I think uh, these bad teams uh, do at least have bullpen pieces, so uh, they can get those, but uh, I'm surprised they're going to need them, but they do. Yeah, they, they really do. Hey, uh, also on top of that, uh, John, you and I have talked about you know various things in this team. Who right out the gate are the Dodgers the best team in baseball, or they've been having a kind of a tough couple of weeks lately, dropping some series to the Pirates, losing some you know very winnable games as of late. A lot of scrutiny on Dave Roberts. I mean, there's been a lot of scrutiny on a lot of managers. You mentioned Tony Larusa, and we've already seen Joe Madden and Joe Girardi get fired. Is this an interesting trend? Because I don't seem to remember two managers getting fired right after each other this early in the season like this. Um, is this a unique trend going forward, is, or is this just kind of two unique scenarios taking place? Yeah, I don't see it as a trend. I mean, you could. there's obviously more pressure on some managers than others uh, for a variety of reasons. You know, potentially the Nets may sell the team. So, you know, Davey Martinez for that reason. And, of course, he, he, does, he has an option, a team option. The all-star break, they're not going to decline it and fire them. But, uh, you know, there's there are teams out there that are not performing as expected. Seattle has not been great uh, to this point. Kansas City has been poor to this point. So, Matheny there and service in Seattle. I mean, there are guys with warm seats. Uh, Dave Roberts not one of them. Uh, in the winter, he 
or in the spring, they, he signed a, a multi-year extension. He's a very good manager. I'm not worried about him. Uh, the team has not been uh, as, quite as good as people would have thought at, to this point. They're probably still on a 100-win pace, so we can't kill them too much. They're uh, you know, still really good. At this moment, I mean, I don't think anybody compares to the Yankees. They're on a 118-win pace. 118. Uh, you know, that's that would be a record. So uh, that's a pretty good pace. They're, they're the best team. Uh, yeah, a week ago, the Dodgers led in pitching and in offense. Uh, you know, I haven't looked, but they, they don't lead in both anymore. And uh, the Yankees probably lead in both. I don't, I don't have stats in front of me, but their pitching has been the best and their hitting has been the best. He is John Heyman. You can check him out on MLB Network. You can check out his writing for the New York Post. And, of course, check out our podcast, Big Time Baseball, on Odyssey Sports, wherever you get your favorite podcast. John, I, I can't thank you. I know how busy you are on this Sunday covering this game over there in New York and everything else throughout Major League Baseball. Thank you for taking the time to come on 670 and hit and run with me today. All right. Always a pleasure, Cody. And uh, thank you for not asking me about Tony La Russa. I thought that, was good. that might be topic number one. I guess I guess when you talk about managers on the hot seat, I probably should have mentioned him, though. We'll see. I mean, Jerry Reinsdorf, very loyal guy. His greatest regret uh, was firing uh, La Russa and keeping Hawk Harrelson as his GM. You know, we're going back four decades at this point, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how long he sticks with uh, La Russa because uh, – you know, at this point, I think this, this is the question. And, uh, you know, I know he's an amazingly loyal guy, and uh, I'm still going to be surprised if he lets him go. But uh, things are not going well there on the south side, as you know, Cody. Oh, they are not, and trust me. <laughs> I, the reason I didn't ask you, John, is because we have been spending two hours on it. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're a nice guy, too. I think that's what it is. Deep down, uh. very nice guy. I have my moments, but, yeah, I do think he needs to go. Uh, John, you're the absolute greatest. Thank you so much for joining me on Hit and Run. Guys, follow him on Twitter. He's the most important person in baseball to follow on Twitter, John Heyman. You're the best, John. All right, Cody. Great talking to you. See you later. You too. Talk to you soon. Uh, make sure you guys check out our podcast. He is just one of the greatest genuine people on and off the field. That is the one and only John Heyman. Guys, we're going to take a quick little break. When we come back, Russell Dorsey will be joining me here on Hit and Run. We're going to talk some more baseball, talk some more Cubs and White Sox, and talk about everything going on around the league. Join me here on 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.